Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. <laughs> All right, what's going on, guys? Super excited to be friends at the show. Uh, my name is Mike with Tiger Supplies. We are the surveying, construction, and engineering superstore with over 15,000 products and experts on staff. We're here to help you get the equipment you need to get the job done right. Use coupon code GEO15 for 15% off any Adir Pro item, including bipods, tripods, prisms, flagging tape, field supplies, and more. Feel free to check out our website, tigersupplies.com, our Instagram, and YouTube for the latest tips, tricks, and product videos. Breathe with me. I feel like I'm back in high school. Welcome, everyone, to the Geoholics Raver. <laughs> this is episode 47, also known as the Jack Morris episode. Did he you was, have that one, Shoots? He was with the twins, right? Uh, duh. Well, Tigers. He, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, 47, I immediately go to Tom Glavin. Uh, he, he was there for consideration. 2007, you know, the Mets had their epic meltdown. Last game of the year to salvage and make it to the playoffs. He yep. goes out for like a third of an inning, gives up seven runs, and then afterwards, he's like, is that the worst thing that could have happened? <laughs> I'm still upset about that. that. Is absolutely the worst thing that could have happened. Oh my goodness, shoots the things that upset you. Uh, Anyways, Jack Morris, absolute stud, five-time All Star, four-time World Series champion, pitched a no hitter. April 7th, 1984, Detroit Tigers, number 47, retired, and, of course, inducted into the MLB Hall of Fame in 2018. Join the Geohawks fan club, make a $25 contribution to the Geohawks GoFundMe account, and receive a one-of-a-kind fan pack that now includes an OG t-shirt, wristband, sticker, koozie, and temporary tattoo courtesy of Tim Keenan at DBLS. Need to give a shout-out to Buffalo Bob Wesolowski. For his ongoing support of the Geoholics, made a nice contribution to the GoFundMe account this past week. So Came thank through, you. Huh? Thank you, Bob. That opening number, of course, is The Prodigy. The name of the song is Breathe. Uh, the Prodigy first emerged in the underground rave scene in the early 1990s, which is why Schutz was talking about high school, and achieved popularity and worldwide, worldwide recognition with UK number one singles such as Firestarter and Breathe. They have been called the godfathers of rave and remain one of the most successful electronic acts of all time, having sold an estimated 25 million records worldwide. Our guest today is a big fan of The Prodigy, which is why we selected that song. Shout out to our friends of the program. First and foremost, let's recognize Bad Elf GPS. Their website is bad-elf.com. They are successfully developing high-accuracy GPS receivers for all-day data collection. If you mentioned that you heard about the Flex receiver on the Geoholics, you'll receive $100 off your purchase and a really freaking cool fitted bad elf hat. And I do want to mention, if you're not already, follow Nick Smolovsky on uh, LinkedIn. He's doing this really cool thing right now. He and his wife are on like a three-week vacation, and every day he's uh, he's doing a little video and showing where he is for that day, collecting some data with the uh, with the uh, with the flex receiver. So it's pretty neat. So check out Nick on LinkedIn. He's flexing across America. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next up would be Lancer Bears United, old Justin J. Bird Farrow, um, largest global community of geomatics professionals on the internet with 
are they at 17,000? I know every week. They're we're, over we're, that. We're, yeah. we're over that. Yeah. Um, LandSurveyorsUnited.com. Go check it out. Uh, there's a Geoholics page on there as well. So like, friend, all that good stuff with them. LandSurveyorsUnited.com. Yep. And of course, you can get the app there as well. LiDAR News, the virtual home of the LiDAR industry. They strive to provide their readers and sponsors with the most current information about 3D laser scanning, LiDAR, unmanned aerial systems, and photogrammetry. The LiDAR News team focuses on the application of technology to solve 3D problems. Check them out at LiDARnews.com. And good old Parkland College, their land survey program in Champaign, Illinois. They have two schedule options, which provide opportunities to both traditional and working adults to achieve a certificate or associate's degree in land surveying. You can find them at parkland.edu slash surveying. Do you think they're going to have a football season? (laughs) I don't know. Today's a big day is my understanding. (laughs) As far as the vote goes on that, uh, Unifly, U-N-I-F-L-I, Scott Ohana and his team have developed a one-stop UAV shop. Check them out at unifli.aero and make sure you go to the how we work link to find out more and we cannot forget mr diamondback land surveying trent keenan um you know he sent the the tattoos we're gonna we're gonna mail those out and i like how you use the og on everything but uh diamondback land surveying is specializing in residential, commercial, and public works projects. Corporate offices in Las Vegas, but they are licensed to work across the West. Also, they are proud sponsors and brand ambassadors of Get Kids Into Survey with The Ball, Elaine, and Ellie. Uh, Diamondbacklandsurveying.com for more information and GetKidsIntoSurvey.com. And Trent and I have an ongoing bet. He's a big uh, Vegas Golden Knights fan. Of course, I'm a big Chicago Blackhawks fan. They are meeting in the playoffs, and uh, we have a wager in every game, so I'm pretty excited about that. And as soon as the Hawks lose and the Knights are playing the Coyotes, Jake and I will get in on it. That would be amazing. All right. Advanced Geodetic Surveys, Inc., AGS, is a surveying and mapping equipment dealer that has been serving the industry since 1991. They offer competitive rental rates from one of the largest rental fleets. They also offer equipment sales and service, as well as an extensive catalog of field supplies, safety equipment, and accessories can confirm i have used them many times and uh, have never ever been disappointed if you go to agsgps.com forward slash shop and use the promo code geo 15 you will save 15 percent off all regular priced field supplies accessories and safety equipment we got some big news new new sponsors boys yep tiger supplies uh you heard mad mike malone maglioni i i that one's a rough one for me uh they're surveying construction and engineering superstore you heard his minute uh if you don't mind go check out their website use the code geo 15 you'll get 15 percent off any adair pro yep is that a, 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 a I'm unfamiliar item including tripods, bipods, prisms, prism poles, flagging tape, survey markers, and much more. Do not forget to check out their YouTube page for product videos, tips, and tricks. Yep, yep. Thanks to those guys for jumping on board. And another new friend of the program, Cyanic Automation. Uh, I, it's interesting. I talked to these guys a few weeks ago, and they're doing some really cool stuff for survey companies up in Canada, basically developing new ways to collect daily work records and timesheets from in the field, automate invoicing, search jobs by legal addresses, stuff like that. Check out Jobbook by going to their website, getjobbook.com. 
They are solving operational problems to make your business life easier. Everybody needs that. If there's something you want to vent about, maybe give these guys a call and see if they can help you out. Again, their website, getjobbook.com. Hopefully we can get them on the show sometime and they can talk about uh, you know best practices on the business side of things. Uh, I know it's not always the fun part of surveying to talk about, but it's probably the most important. Also, tell them you heard about it from Geoholics and they'll give you 20% off the first year subscription to Get Job Book. Oh my goodness, that was uh, that was a mouthful. It's it's exciting to get all these uh, friends of the program on board. That's for sure. Here we are, Beat Lab Studio, PJ's living room. Early in the morning here. Our guest is in Spain today, so bright and early here. So if we sound a little bit off, uh, our apologies. The only thing we need is some strobe lights in here, I guess, to go along with uh, with the prodigy, right? Uh, that would be uh, appropriate. <laughs> Let's catch up with the boys. Uh, Producer Jake, what's the name, man? Not a lot. Um... So we're doing some different stuff um, with the podcast, introducing um, a video element to it. So you can check that out on our YouTube channel. I'm sure we're going to have the links in the descriptions and talk about that a little bit more. Um, But we're introducing kind of something different year two, spice it up with not just the audio, but you can get us Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that. And then now on YouTube too. So um, looking forward to that. on a fun side, been watching a lot of the Coyotes. I know Ryan touched on that a little bit too. That's been super fun. Um, really excited to see these guys. They're right now they're at the farthest spot than they've been at since 2012 or something like eight years. Mm-hmm. So um, it's nice that it's crazy because all of the stuff that we've missed, like all of the basketball and hockey, it, usually there's what like two or three games a day, but now they're putting the eight nine games yeah. a day. So it's from like 9 a.m. to so it's like it's nice, especially like if you have it on on the background, like when you're working from home or something too. Mm-hmm. It's nice because it just fills up your entire day. So yeah. glad to have that stuff back for sure. Definitely um, a step towards back to being normal. And can't forget the Suns. What are they six yeah. and zero in the yeah. bubble? Uh, yes, yeah, for five five and zero or six and zero as of yesterday when they beat OKC. So I hope that um, Coyotes take ages well by the time this comes out on Sunday. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Ryan, how are you? I cannot complain. It's 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 another whirlwind of fun. Um, you know, old Delphi Delph over here came out with coming down strong on the weekend. Let's bet on golf. Oh, I forgot about and, that. And you know, I let everybody else make their picks, and then I did mine at the last second limp, and didn't really want to do it. But uh, and then I was not following it. I was just watching all the texts that you guys had, and then when I realized I won, then I was all of a sudden in on it. <laughs> so I can confirm I did not care. I did not want to care. But uh, once I won, that that it was. All I cared about in my life. <laughs> that was a quick 60 bucks. Yeah, easy enough. I should do this more often. I was telling Carrie, I was like, man, in fantasy football last year, I won that one doing this. I'm like, I should just become a professional sports gambler. I think it's all because you saved that bird. Wow. Could, uh, 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 I didn't may, even think about I, that. No, neither did I. Now, yep. now that you say that. Whew. Your life has changed as a result. Man, oh, man. It's it's on the upswing here, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that. I'm going to go home and like slam a bird into the trap and then let it go oh, again. That might go reverse <laughs> at that point. But I'll let it go again. So it, it, it counterbalances. It's got to it's happen organically. Well, it did. And uh, I am happy to take everybody's money. But what about you, Kent? Um, well, since you didn't mention it, I'm going to call myself Uh-oh. out. Uh, last Wednesday, Shoots and I drove up to Prescott Valley to play golf with, uh, with Arky. Had a great time. 
Um, shoots beat me by three strokes, I believe. He actually drove the green on a par four. I couldn't get him to do the Dilfy Dill strut, but... I, d- I don't have that one in me. <laughs> it was impressive nonetheless. But what he has failed to not call me out on is the fact that we're driving up there and we have to stop to drop some stuff off on the way, right? So I turn the car off. We do take care of business, we'll say. Go to start the car again, and the car doesn't start, right? We're about probably 30 minutes from from my house. And the car doesn't start. I'm like, what the hell? Well, long story short, I must have, it's one of those, um, you know, key fob starting vehicles. You don't have to put the key in, you know, one of those deals. So I think what I did, I still haven't figured it out because I haven't found it. <laughs> you still haven't found the key. No. So I think what I did is Schutz was running late that morning. I As was usual. in my car with the AC on, you know, cooling it down for him so he doesn't complain about being hot and all that stuff. And I think what I did is I put my key on the roof because I had to run back in real quick to get some golf balls or something. And I forgot to grab it. So we took off and the car was running at the time. And then once we stopped and I went to restart the car, of course it wouldn't start because the key's nowhere to be found. We're looking all over the place, can't find it, blah, blah, blah. Had to call the lovely Megan. She drove up with the spare key. How far was this? She was, she was not happy. About Let's 30 minutes. Okay. So you guys are like on the 17? 17 yep. and Carefree. Uh, yeah, Carefree Highway. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah so so not like Sedona or like, well, or no. I guess you wouldn't even go that far. No, no. But it's yeah. not like we were in Prescott when yeah. it happened. You know? So she's like, you know, of course she wasn't happy about it. But I'm like, look at the bright side just like i just said at least we weren't in prescott when we noticed this you know and that's when she said you would have just called triple a yeah. <laughs> and those keys aren't inexpensive I, it's uh, a, i've already looked into it 300 bucks yeah so it was, it's been a rough week for keys at the it, it was, in the grow it, household overall we, I, it was a good trip though. oh it was a great trip yeah it was awesome I had a great time I had a great time so anyways that's that's my oh one other thing freaking buy amazon holy crap that stock, of course, is going insane. It has been for quite some time. It's up 35% since I first bought into it. And now they've got Prime Gaming. I saw that they're purchasing like abandoned JCPenney and Sears stores and turning them into distribution centers. Makes sense. Amazon's unstoppable. Unstoppable. So Well, Bezos sold like $3 billion worth of stock or something Did like that. Did he really? I think that's, I think, that's nothing, though. That's I like, think he's yeah. just selling that a so we can buy percent. the Mets. That's my, uh, my stock tip for the week. How's that? <laughs> Amazon's always a safe bet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, you're really breaking the mold here. <laughs> I know. Buy gold. <laughs> buy gold. Hey, that's I, let's have, we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> All right. The Safety Apparel Safety Share. Matthew Stansbury has developed the best safety vest on the planet. Uh, that is no joke also known as the party chief, not the crew chief, but the party chief. Let's get it right. Uh, Check them out at safetyapparel.us. You can purchase them there. And trust me when I tell you that they truly are the best vest I have ever used. Uh, The topic of this safety share is the top five safety considerations for Lancerers. I know we touch on, you know, individual safety things here and there, but this is kind of a, a summary of the five main ones. Uh, the first one is distracted motorists, of course, um, distracted drivers uh, now more than ever are uh, are causing traffic collisions. And this can be dangerous for surveyors, you know, standing nearby, whether they're in the road and even off the road. I've seen many instances where an accident happens in an intersection, a car goes flying, you know, hits an instrument, you know, could, could be a fatal situation there. So uh, situational awareness, of course, snakes and insect. 
insects, I should say, to help prevent against bites and stings. Workers should wear snake-proof boots or uh, snake guards and clothing that covers as much bare skin as possible. Also, be sure to have a first aid kit uh, in your vehicle as well, in your survey rig. And what else? Construction hazards, of course. Uh, it's the worker's duty to wear appropriate safety gear, such as hard hats, work boots, high visibility vests, and additional gear that is required, such as eye and hearing protection. Heat exhaustion here in Arizona, it's been 115 for about 30 days straight, I think. Been mm-hmm. brutal. To protect against the sun's effects, surveyors should wear hats, heat reflective clothing, apply sunscreen, and drink plenty of water. And finally, working in remote locations. This is something the surveyors do all the time. Um, surveyors, you know, they're carrying out surveys in, you know, remote, barren locations. They have to ensure all equipment is tested before that journey begins. Packing a spare tire, first aid kit, as I mentioned. Make sure you have plenty of food and water. GPS systems and phones will come in handy in emergency situations. And your vehicles should also be thoroughly tested before embarking on such a journey. So those are kind of the five most popular safety concerns for surveyors. I, um, I don't want to say this and yeah. be rude, but that seems like common sense on a lot of that stuff. Well, a lot of it is, but then again, think about <laughs> it. That's when you start taking things for granted, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So again, situational awareness is the key. All right. Our uh, our guest today is, uh, this is a special one. He is in Spain, as I mentioned earlier. Um, our first Spaniard, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Pedro Ortiz. And just a quick bio of, uh, of Pedro. He was born in the city of is it Malaga, I guess, and grew up in nearby city of Marbella. And these are both in the southern part of Spain by the Mediterranean Sea. I want to go there so bad. I hear it's absolutely beautiful. He attended University of, um, I'm going to butcher this, Jan. Uh, where he earned a bachelor degree in surveying engineering and a master degree in cadastro valuation and real estate valuation. In his free time, he enjoys watching movies and TV series. He's a big basketball fan. I know basketball is pretty popular in Spain, right? Absolutely. Yep. NBA and the FIBA championships and a compulsive music listener. Um, and including have, the prodigy. Yep. Yep. He's a raver. Uh, has been serving for nearly 24 years and is currently a land and property surveyor leading a survey consulting company with his brother and uncle who are surveyors as well. And item to note, his father, who is now retired, was also, or is also a surveyor. So Pedro, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You bet, you bet. Um, let's get into this a little bit. We got a lot to lot to cover. So first and foremost, we got to ask this. Uh, let's talk a little bit about COVID nineteen. I can't wait till this gets put behind us, so we don't have to talk about it anymore. But how how are you dealing with it, or how have you dealt with it, and how is Spain as a country um, dealing with it? Well, uh, before talking about the trend topic as COVID. Uh, and because you have mentioned your golf adventures, I must tell you that I live in a place surrounded by 25 golf courses oh. within 20 miles around. Then I guess you guys, you should make a visit to me here because you can play each day in wow. every in different golf course. You know? We're heading to Spain. Yeah, yeah. Careful, yes. careful what you wish for, Pedro. <laughs> I'm not you a good house your, guest. <laughs> my, my house is your house. So about covid well, in Spain, uh, unfortunately, we are not really facing this problem very properly. Hmm. And uh, after the lockdown, during March, from March till May, 
uh, everything was becoming better, but later everybody went out like crazy and mm. there are a lot of, you know, mm, people who say asymptomatic, you know, that you don't realize that you have it, but then you extend it. Then actually, uh, generally Spain is, is facing major problems because it's increasing day, day after day. But fortunately, we have a strong health system that we don't have many dead people uh, regarding this issue. Uh, uh, related to the land surveying profession, we also really don't have any kind of uh, issues related to the to this uh, COVID because mostly we work outdoors and then uh, we don't need to be in, in touch or too close to other people. And, and then, but we are, of course, taking into account the, all the health recommendations of the government, uh, wearing a mask and sometimes gloves and, and so on. And of course, keeping the 1.5 meters distance <laughs> from the other ones. And then I guess it's not much more different than in other parts of the world, but uh, of course, uh, our government is taking more seriously this issue than in other places in the world, but we have to look further in an optimistic way that is going to be solved soon with a vaccine or, or something. How is it affecting the, uh, your, your workload, I guess, from a surveying perspective? Has work okay. slowed down? Yes. Well, personally, mine not because I live in a really busy area, real estate busy area, which still is not realized about this issue. But I know other colleagues are really slowed down because construction was going down and any other sorts of engineering or industrial application of the land survey are going down simply because they were locked down and then they have to uh, again recover from, the, from this uh, situation. But uh, I must say that the investors who are related to the real estate are still uh, on the way. I mean, they are still with the aim to invest then I don't really feel that the issue would arrive until on, until this industry. Oh, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Let's kind of get a snapshot of surveying in Spain in general. So I did a bunch of research, and so it looks like the population of Spain is about 47 million. And I know there's, a, what, how many, how many different regions are there? Yes, we have, you know, we have the main inland and then two uh, group of islands, and as well to small places in the northern uh, side of Africa. You know, we have the Mediterranean Sea in the middle and we have uh, 17 regions, hmm. but we are, we are, um, we are not a federate uh, state like the United States. We are the whole country with regions and I live in the southern one, which is the biggest one on surface area, not in population. And uh, yes, uh, the land profession is really not so big. The membership of the land professionals, we are around 4,500 more or less. Wow. But this is the ones who are member of the main association in Spain. Mm -hmm. now, I, we guess that uh, there are another 5,000 who are mm, performing the profession, but they are not a member of this uh, main association. So that's right around 5,000-ish, you're saying? Um, yeah, doesn't sound, that doesn't sound, like, doesn't sound like very many. No. But I have to say, 
uh, one of the problems we have in the lab profession in, in Spain is that um, perhaps we can get deeper in, later on, but we don't have a designation as you have in the United States or in many countries in the world. And then anyone who feels um, competent to do surveying is doing. Then perhaps the uh, number of land surveyors, let's say between brackets, <laughs> uh, there are many more. You know, the market needs many more, but there are, for instance, other sorts of engineers, architects, and then uh, people without any kind of diploma or any kind of uh, education. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Now, that does, I, I'd like to keep on that topic, actually, because there has been discussion in the states about deregulating land surveying, which would put us in that same situation, Exactly. Um, which to me is very, very scary um, for a number of reasons. I mean, I, I can't imagine it's, it's an easy way to make a living as someone who would consider themselves a professional when there's other people out there providing those same services for a much lower price. Exactly. That's, that's the point. That's the problem. And then even though the also problem is that people who are uh, land surveyors, but they work in the public administration, they are public servants, they also work out of the time where they are not compatible to do this kind of work. And then this is also an, an unfair situation amongst the profession. Then this is also another uh, problem to all this issue. So you as somebody who I'm sure consider yourself a professional, how do you separate yourself from those who are, you know, for lack of better terms, just providing survey services out of their house or whatever? How do you separate yourself? Over the weekend warriors. Yeah. Yes, yes. And the weekend, taking the brother-in-law as, as the assistant and such kind of and yeah. using the instruments from the from the company and perhaps uh, not paying the taxes according to their job and so on. Well, it's difficult to, the market is very wise, as you know, uh-huh. and then mostly they realize who is a professional and who is not. But and nowadays with this crisis, uh, not only COVID, uh, also because of after the economic crisis uh, the last uh, decade, mm-hmm. then the people are realizing about this. But you always have to, to beat or to fight against uh, lower prices down uh, very low quality. And then we are all in the same sack. You know, we are all in the same basket. And then that's the problem. And that's why we try to fight against this as an association and also as individuals. Wow. Yeah, that, that's quite a challenge. Um, how do you, let's see, how... how, how what, what, what's the what's the, the future demand like for surveyors? I mean, is there, there's obviously not enough of them and there's obviously a skills gap. I mean, how how are you guys addressing that? How are you promoting surveying? Okay, I mean, first of all, I have to say that I'm, I'm not representing a, an association as it is. I mean, uh, I could represent a, a small association of professionals, as I said before, the GX, and we are not uh, uh, representing the profession to defend the profession, for this is another type of association. Uh, said that, I must say that um, the way to really get out of this group of unprofessionals, if I would say mm-hmm. this way, is to raise the uh, standard applications 
and to perform different tasks and also the typical uh, duties from the land, land professional, a land surveyor in Spain used to be, or is, it is still uh, construction. And that's why in the university, we are trained to get all the knowledge for this sort of uh, application of the profession, not for the cadastral surveying, for instance, we don't have uh, legal or kind of juridical uh, training. And that's why we have developed a master degree focus on this issue. But the land surveying uh, university is uh, changing with the time. And then, for example, from the GIS and the geomatics point of view, is raising the level of the training. And then a lot of young professionals can diverse the, the scope of the duties on the profession. And then this, for example, I, I think that is a good opportunity that the geomatics profession and the land profession is not collapsing because we have a lot of uh, work to do in Spain is a big country and has a lot of uh, environment to look after and we have a lot of sea around and you know a lot of that we, we need to do and also uh, something that at the moment is a disadvantage but I see like an advantage we don't have a, a measured cadastral system wow. then is everything that should be measured and it should be surveyed in Spain in order to get um, consistency on the real estate boundaries. Then I see a nice future, but the problem is that the, the youngsters are not really keen to join this profession. The, the university uh, are not really full of, of people. And this is because the, I guess they are not really um, marketing properly the profession. And then, I mean, I guess I'm, tell, I'm telling you what you're really suffering in the United States as well, I think. Yeah, no doubt. It seems like everybody we talk to, no matter what part of the world they're in, they're all experiencing the exact same challenges. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so a little bit more about like the type of work that you do. I mean, what type of, what are the industries that kind of keep you busy on the survey side? I know there's like manufacturing and agriculture, energy and electricity. Um, what, what, what keeps you busy? Okay, all these industries you have said now, uh, I think they are not very popular amongst the land profession. Agriculture, maybe now with the drone uh, impact, you know, that you can, with the drones, you can, you can not only take pictures, you can also take uh, such a uh, kind of um, uh, heat maps and so on. Uh, okay, but uh, for example, uh, these uh, utilities and this kind of industry, we are really not so uh, deep inside. That's why the other engineers who are like industrial engineers, such kind of civil engineers, they are more on this and then they maybe, they hire um, punctually uh, our services. Our, uh, that's why our main industry nowadays is um, these three, construction, uh, GIS, and cadastro. These are the three main industry that the uh, land profession is. Gotcha. So let's talk about cadastro. I think that's a really interesting topic. Um, I mean, first of all, I do want to learn a little bit more about Spain and how it maybe compares to, you know, the rest of the European cadastros. Talk a little bit about that. Okay, Spain, uh, although it's a, it's a peninsula, you know, it's, I would consider it like an island in Europe because it's really isolated from the cadastral surveying point of view. Uh, we have a, what is called a fiscal cadastral, 
system, which is uh, the maps in the cadastro where you can access freely and through the internet. It's very good. Uh, it's a very good uh, website where you can download uh, maps and, and information. Uh, but the lack of the data is really poor. Uh, the, the boundaries are not legal boundaries. They are not measured or uh, determined by land surveyors. They are determined by orthophotographies or uh, old maps um, or simply the wishes of the landowners where in a, in a sketch they can draw the boundaries because the purpose is to determine the value, to determine the tax. Mm. And, the, and the surface, the area, is, uh, is not important because you can have, for example, the same amount of surface in a land, in a plot, but for instance, it's a rectangle, it's a triangle, or it's a circle, and it's really different boundaries, but they have the same surface. Then the value and the tax is the same. Then the problem is that uh, this caused major problems of boundary issues in the courts. The, we have, it's not very transparent, the, 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 the court cases about this topic, but we have a guess, we have a guess uh, that uh, more than 300 million euros a year are the costs of all the damages caused by the boundary issues in Spain. There are also major problems, uh, personal and, pen and, and people are killing each other because of the boundary and so on. Wow. Uh, the problem is that this is not, of course, uh, every day happening, but it's happening very often that uh, you, can, you can check the news and the, the internet, mm -hmm. and then you can find that somebody was hitting the neighbor, somebody was hitting the neighbor, somebody was killing the neighbor because of a piece of land, you know? Wow. I mean, this is something crazy that is, we have a very strong legal system because uh, notaries, which are different than in the United States, for instance, they, we are, the notaries give faith, also they give legal security. And then we have also the land registry, which is like the, you know, the place you can register the legal documents and everything together is very strong. I mean, you can rely on the, on the title, on the title ownership, but the main thing, which is where are the limits of these uh, legal rights is not clear. That's why five years ago, there was a new law uh, which determines that every time you want to subdivide a piece of land, you need to make a georeference uh, survey. Hmm. Then this, at least this is, this is a, a little bit step, a little step forward the solution. But the problem is that this really not focus on the technical and the legal aspects and the most crazy thing, they don't determine which professional should be the one who has to do this duty. And then it's open mm -hmm. that anyone can do it. And then it's, that's why the problem of the designation in Spain is really a big problem because of uh, you, you yourself, you come to Spain and you survey, but you know, you know how to survey, then it's not a problem. But the no, your brother-in-law or your son or your neighbor can come, can take the EPS and can survey and can give it to the owner and the owner <laughs> register it. That's the problem. Oh my gosh. Then, then this is really problematic. But yeah. that's why uh, our, um, our approach to solve this is changing the way we used to do it, is claiming that we are the only ones who can do it instead of claiming that we are the only one, you know, like mm -hmm. something that has no, 
we simply try are trying to do it a focus on a standard based on a standard a standard which is focused on the uh, security on the client the public uh, interest and then uh, we hope that within the time will be regulated and then will be established our our task as the only land professional who can do this kind of thing perhaps we need several years but I, we think that this is the only way to really fulfill the needs of the public yeah taking public safety into consideration um so what is the i'm, I'm curious based on what you just said what is is there is there a basis for like a, a national control network? I mean, are like here in the states, of course, we have sectionalized land, and we have you know a, a few states that are meets and bounds. Um, I mean, what is the what, what what is the basis of the I guess the the datum uh, in Spain, both vertical okay. and horizontal? Okay, we have uh, since the beginning of the twentieth century, we have a national network. Hmm. Mm, planimetric, I mean, uh, horizontal and vertical, and uh, but within uh, after the 80s, uh, the last century, we have already a GPS or a GNNS uh, network as well, and then this can give us all the um, the framework for the geodetic works where we can rely all the land professionals, not only land surveyors, also GIS, government, and everything. Mm, we don't. We don't. We have. We have actually um, eleven more than eleven thousand uh, benchmarks for horizontal and vertical. The vertical are along the highways, the streets, and so on. And but as I said, with the with our huge uh, GNNS network, also uh, RTK and and post processor, we have enough for georeference any kind of work. From 2015, uh, five years ago, we have uh, all in Europe, the same datum, which is the ETRS 89, which is the worldwide uh, reference uh, that datum. And then we don't have any problem to georeference everything. And then we don't, but what you mean is the, as well as in some places in Canada, because I, I know pretty well your system, it says, and in Canada, you, uh, we don't have such kind of uh, uh, grill grids where you can uh, reference uh, amongst uh, one other one. We have simply uh, your reference network, and we and we survey according to this data. Also, you have to think that, as I said before, we five, five years ago behind. We don't need to make any kind of survey for registering a land. Then. Was uh, uh, was enough with a sketch on a piece of paper drawn by hand mm. by the owner. You wow. know? that's why the system is not evolving; it's just uh, focusing on the on the national datum in order to make uh, different layers of of information that the cadastral office or the land registry or any other kind of government uh, departments can manage all this information. So I'm curious, people that own land in Spain, um, are they paying like property taxes on what they own based on the square footage or how, how, how does that work? Yes, yes, the same. The point is that you declare this information. Okay. You voluntarily declare that you own, and for example, now 
Now, if you want to register for the first time, because we don't have a compulsory system in Spain, we don't have, uh, like I guess you have in the States or in the most states, uh, such a kind of um, uh, terrains act, you know, mm -hmm. we have a voluntary land registry system, then there are some properties, some land that is not registered. Then the first time you want to register, you need to be uh, checked that is directly like in the cadastral map, show the boundaries. Then if, you, if it's not correct, you have to adjust or correct the boundaries in the cadastral map, and then you register it. And, the, and then from this moment, the, the plot when it's, it's, it's born in the land history, it's already determined. Then at least this is, uh, this is uh, good for the, for, the, for the land. But on the other hand, people, the owners, landowners, are not aware that the cadastral maps are wrong because they were not properly measured. Yeah. By the and then they use it to register. And then the problem, well, the, where, where there wasn't a problem, now is a problem, mm. you know, because you want to you wanna raise a fence and then your neighbor is saying, what the hell you are doing? You are raising the fence there. This is my property. Yeah. And then the conflict is already busy. Wow. Good old and boundary then, dispute. Yes. I mean, <laughs> some people, our English, our English colleagues are very happy with this kind of system because they have a lot of work, you know, yeah. they have a lot of disputes. Then, I mean, what, I, what we say in Spain that we also could be happy with the system, but I prefer that we are, because we would need maybe a century to measure everything. Mm. And then after that, perhaps we don't have work, but at least let's, let's, let's do it. It's like the German, the German surveyors, they, are, they have everything surveyed since more than hundred years. And it's not that they don't have work to do, they have, mm. but they have everything under control. And later, I will tell you more about the European colleagues. Germans under control. Imagine that. <laughs> the, Germans, the Germans are, you know. Well, yeah. it, 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 as far as like U.S. designation, I'm going to admit this, and we do this whole podcast, and I deal with a lot of surveyors. RLS, PLS, PS, there's a lot of designations. I don't know who's what and why, but uh, when it comes to Spain, what 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 is the, your, your professional register uh designation i know there's that the rics no. um explain it all if you don't mind no there's no designation uh when you finish your when you earn your degree you only need to uh be a member of the association in this case the name is the land surveying association spain is official body when you join this association uh, by law, you are able to perform surveying, and then you don't have any kind of designation. You simply do your job, and that's it. If you need to, for, for example, uh, give such a kind of a special map or plan, document, report, anything, you can stamp by the association. I don't know if, if you have something like this in the States, but this is the only uh, type of designation. We don't have any. And because the, the uh, engineer's law, ruling law, determined that each engineer should, and surveying is also an engineer, each engineer should apply their own uh, specialty by his own uh, faith and his own liability. And that's why there is no designation. RSCS is something that is uh, mainly in the UK, but in Spain, they are also, but in Spain, 
the IDCS is only focused on real estate agents and real estate valuation. Mm. They are not they are not focused or they are not applying the land surveying profession. This, this is only in the UK and some some places of uh, America in the you know in the some islands of the Caribbean Ocean and and so on. But in Spain, the IDCS is not the is not the official designation. It's the wild, wild west. It is. I, I thought we had some challenges here. Wow. Um, are there any laws that govern land surveyors in Spain? I mean, is it is it like let's say a, a surveyor goes out there and makes a mistake? Who regulates that? Is it self-regulated, or the association gets involved, or how how, how does that whole thing work? The only point of the only point for this is that the association, uh, because we are an amount of people, more than 4,500 4, people, then uh, we have a, a civil insurance, such, a, such insurance that can cover our damages, you know, but there is not any kind of uh, protection to the public if someone mistakes. This mm. is a private issue amongst the parties, you know, Yep. And that's why, and that's why um, this is. Um, and there are some of the surveyors who are working with this with, with no insurance at all. And then you can imagine they are risking their own property, family, uh, you know, saves and anything. Because if a judge determines that you were guilty of something of a damage, you mm. can you can give your all your belongings. Then that's why I think that the designation would be a good approach. At least to determine who are responsible for the actions, and then to check that everyone has the proper insurance to cover the damages. For example, in our small association, not the main one, the other one, uh, we have as a mandatory uh, within our members a minimum of uh, six hundred thousand euro cover mm. of our insurance, mm. which is at least what we think that is the minimum that we can offer our clients to. To protect them, because anyone can can mistake. Mm -hmm. Wow! <laughs> I, 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 Unbelievable! You That's think crazy. You have a bad year? Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. It's funny though. I, I talked to a, a gentleman a couple of years ago, and in Mexico, for example, it sounds like it's a lot like it is there in Spain. They don't really have a a cadaster set up, and you know, there's no way of tracking property you know, accurately and no and tracking people as far as that goes. So, I mean, that, that's a big deal. And, and you know the worst in Mexico that the cadastral system they are starting to do for some years ago is done by Spanish people, you know, mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah. You know, the Spanish cadastral is spreading the, the system in all Latin America, mm -hmm. and, and it's crazy because I, I understand that it's very good catastrophe for the fiscal purposes, uh, because you need income, the town hall, I mean, the government, they need income, okay, but try to do, like for example, for instance, in Costa Rica, in Costa Rica, they have a, a cadastral system uh, based on legal measurements. And then this is the point. Mm. They, they have, they have the, let's say, I mean, as well as in Argentina, it's the same, they have, uh, the cadastral system made by only land surveyors, which are the, the designated professionals to do this. And then in some countries they're doing, but in the other ones, the Spanish cadastral, take the airplane or now a drone, 
you take pictures, you guess boundaries, <laughs> and then you make plan, fast, quick, cheap, and then collect taxes. And then when the encroachment is done, yep. the neighbors are fighting, ah, I don't know anything about this. Yeah, because I mean, some of that property's got to be really, really valuable, especially like, like I know there's a, a lot of uh, like the wine industry in Spain. So there's a lot of vineyards and stuff like that. And that's very, very valuable property. So the folks like that, I mean, they need to know where their, I guess, legal, for lack of a better term, um, boundary is. Okay, I mean, I'm, in the place where I am, there's a lot of a lot of uh, tourism. There's a lot of real estate investments. A lot of Europeans, Germans, French, Nordic, Central European, uh, rich guys who are coming over to buy a big uh, piece of land to make a big villa, two, two three, four, five million euros. Hmm. And then when we arrive, they the first thing they are given is a cadastral map when they buy when they purchase. And then they say, okay, okay, they, these are my boundaries because they think that this is the same like in their own countries. And then when they, when they start to realizing about the problems, the investment maybe is not so good like they thought. Yep. And then I'm suffering this every day, you know? Oh my and God. and because, because I'm aware of this, uh, that's why my consulting services are focused on, on prevention instead of litigation. I try to... Yeah. Uh, get in touch with the lawyers who are the first ones who are uh, advising the investors to, to determine if something is really not good in the way that they have encroachments or they have uh, boundaries issues before they buy it. Because then later you will have a very nice piece of land but with no property on it. And then that's the point that uh, one square meter of land square meter where I live can be minimum three or four hundred euros square meter wow. then uh, this is not i mean the, the one years are i guess more cheap than this but they also have issues with this but they have a huge piece of land that they have uh, five or two percent less they are not they're not such a big deal but for a house or for a villa where you are constrained by by limitations uh, 10 square meter are critical you know yeah, so it sounds like your approach is uh, to be to educate the the client or the stakeholders in these real estate transactions. Yes. I feel like you yes. were just lobbying yes. for some Spanish wine. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to get Pedro your address. We've after, already got the end after we get off and uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm, on the I'm down low. You here, yes, sure. Couple of cases yeah. showing up in no time. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So I know you're very involved with, um, you know, survey or, or you know, geomatics um, internationally. Actually, um, you know, a couple of the organizations that I'd like to hear a little bit more about because I'm from unfamiliar with them. For example, um, I believe you're the Secretary General of the International Land Measurement Standards Coalition, also known as ILMSC. Tell us a little bit about that and what the goals and objectives are. This is very. This is very interesting. Uh, approach and this is something that you guys in the states should be should come o- over should come abroad. Actually, I guess NSPS mm-hmm. is is on board of this coalition, but um, I will explain you what it's about. Is is this was you know before was the IPMS, which is the International Property Measurement Coalition Standard Coalition, which more focused on properties, on mm-hmm. buildings, construction, and so on, no? offices. And so on. But then we wanted to 
do the same for the land, which is surrounded the property. But then we decided to make a new, an, another coalition because the first one property was more for valuators, real estate agents, and so on. And we wanted to separate the idea to land professionals. And that's why we create the other coalition instead of uh, merging into the first one. Mm. But then the ILMS is, is just to provide such a kind of uh, due diligence report to permit in the emerging countries to create title in order to register, in order to have a mortgage, in order to develop economically. And then with the, with the, with the committee of experts all over the world, we created the standard, which is focusing eight key parameters, uh, what we have to look into. The, for example, the boundaries is the, is the first one, the land uh, value, also the, all the utilities, which, is, which are in the property, the constructions, also the environment and the limitation of the land planning, which is around and inside, the access of any kind of, uh, not only utilities, also streets and so on. Uh, and all these things together can make you realize that your, your land is able to have a title and then to register it. This is, at the beginning was an idea for the insisted to African countries, some Latin American country, Asiatic countries. So, but within the time, I convinced myself pretty much that this can, you can apply to the top countries. Nothing to do with the Germans, like I said before, or the Switzerland, <laughs> or the Swiss. But I think in America also you could apply it on, in Canada as well, of course in Spain, because you have a lot of territory there and then you have a lot of, to, for example, for the um, indigenous territories and so on, where you can really uh, determine the best information, the best due diligence information in order to get it into the uh, safety of the, of the public. In, in this case, also, uh, I must say that the creation of this coalition was in, the, in, the, in Rome, in Italy, in the, in the building of, if I can remember it, in the, because I say FAO, you know that? Mm -hmm. Yep. Because this was also related to, of course, if the people can have a title of their own land, they can, uh, they can use it for the agriculture, and then the, the hunger will be step-by-step written. Step, uh, mm. And then this was a little bit the, the aim of this coalition. Now the standard is finished. Now you can go to the website to ilmsc.org, and you can download the standard. We are now doing the translation into different languages, Spanish, French, German, also is in, in Turkish and in, I guess in Arabic as well, that you can apply it uh, everywhere. And I really, I really ask you guys that you take a look on this because it's a very interesting approach. Yeah, absolutely. So you have um, representation from all over the world then in this organization? Yes, there are, I guess, uh, 50 countries, I mean, 50 members, around 30 countries all over the world. But, uh, you know, RSCS, for instance, is a member, but RSCS has offices all over the world, in mm. Asia, in Africa, mm. in America as well, and Europe. And then we have, uh, we cover all the world, 
with this wow. uh, coalition. It's very interesting. Yeah, no, I'm. You definitely piqued, well. definitely piqued my interest. I'm going to look into it further for sure. I mean, honestly, I had no idea that, um, you know, land measurement standards were, uh, you know, so inconsistent or, you know, in, in some cases not even existent. That's, that's crazy. Yes, but you have to think that the standard is not focused how to measure. Mm. It's focused how to report the measurement. Mm. And this is the point because we are... We have of a technical background. Uh, we like to the GPS, uh, total station, even a tape, and trying to reach the millimeter. This is another thing. This is something that we we have to, we have to act as a land professional, as uh, somebody who gather all the information in a checklist. We check that everything is okay, the source of information, and then we make it reliable. That this can really be useful for someone, for example to gain a title and to have a mortgage and then to develop. This is the, the big thing. I guess this is the biggest step for our profession, going from the technical point to the management point. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge, huge thing. I mean, now you got to, I mean, once you get that measurement standard approved and everything, next step, of course, is, um, um, you know, in, incorporating it into the practices, exactly. which is, again, exactly. that's a huge challenge, but uh, it's, it has to be done. Yes, we are doing actually in Spain, and uh, next October, sorry, November, we have our general assembly. We will present in a in a seminar the uh, adoption of this of this standard according to the Spanish laws, regulations, and so on. And we will be, I guess, the first ones to uh, apply, apply it professionally wow. in Spain. That's why we are very we are very proud of this, and we are really hopeful. Uh, I'm grateful for that he has a good impact on our customers. It's a huge, huge step in the right direction. Um, you mentioned utilities. I'm curious, is there, are there good records of infrastructure as far as utilities go? No. And actually, this is one of our projects of collaboration amongst the Professional Surveyors Canada and mm. our association in Spain about the uh, cadastral of the underground. This is also a project in a European level that uh, for 10 years already, the equivalent of uh, NSPS in America, in Europe, is called CLG, mm. is the Council of the European Judicial Surveyors. They are also uh, developing the idea to try to make a cadastra of the underground, which is very important. For example, in, in the Netherlands, in Holland, they they had major issues with the digging and with the gas uh, pipelines yeah. and then they have uh, that people and everything and then they start to develop this kind but this has to be harmonized because as you know uh, the pipelines are going out of the bounds of the country and yeah. the other countries and then you need to have a, a common a common framework of regulation and that's why we have the advantage of the European Union which is similar to the to the union in the states or the union in, in Canada, but uh, we are not a federal state, and then that's why we have to try to balance the situation, and that's why the CLG, which is the mm -hmm. the European Association of Surveyors, are trying to gather all the stakeholders in order to take this. In Spain, for example, we don't have anything. Uh, the companies, the utility companies, are owners of all the infrastructure and they are they have on the top secret all this information 
And then I think until it's not happening something really worse, which, uh, with some deaths, they will not wake up from this kind of disaster because I am aware that this cannot be open data because for mm. security reasons, you cannot open the data where are the utilities uh, laying down, you know, but at least that should be uh, something that uh, certain professionals should be able to gather this information in order to, uh, for the construction reasons, for example, be safety and be more precise than it is now. Now you dig and then you you ask for a forgiveness. You know? <laughs> then that enough, could be very, dan- very dangerous. Yes, exactly. It's amazing to me that here we are in 2020 with all the technology that we have, but yet we don't have records of these things. It's unbelievable. This is, uh, my opinion, is because the administration, you know, the public government are years behind. Yeah. You know, we are in the 21st century, professionals, technology, you know, but the administration is many, many years behind. They are like, I don't know, mm. 50 years behind because of economic resources in some countries at least and uh, because of mentality. Yeah. You know, a public servant in Spain, for instance, when you apply for being a public servant, an officer, you are for life. You don't have to, you don't have to improve yourself. Your job, you will have it until you retire. You know, wow. and that's why this make you not being so, you know. Mm-hmm. And then this is the point that I guess is making us not uh, going in different speed, uh, the free market and the public administration. I guess this is the reason. Wow. You mentioned uh, partnering with uh, with our with our friends north of the border in Canada, and I just got to give a shout out to Michael Thompson because uh, yes. he is our, he's a mutual friend of ours, and he put us in contact. So uh, exactly. you know, thank, thanks to Michael for that. Um, big time friend of the program. Big time. Yep. <laughs> well, uh, I guess when it comes to living in Spain and, and serving there, uh, clearly Kent and I and Jake, for that matter, have no experience. What are your biggest concerns? Uh, what are you most excited about for the future and the present? Well, uh, I guess the present is is bright because we have many things to do. As I said before, uh, the Germans has everything done. They are bored. And then we ha- at least we have this. Then I am a pathologic optimist guy, you know. And, but on the other hand, for the future, uh, I see that not only in the, from the cadastral point of view, also for the GIS and all the geomatics, uh, because we have, a, in Spain, we have a, a very rich country of resources. Uh, we need to put in, in value all of this, you know. Uh, government or companies or private companies have to work together uh, to take advantage of this technology and the knowledge because it's not only a matter of technology, it's knowledge and technology and an aim to do new things. That's why I feel. But on the other hand, I feel pessimistic because there are not uh, enough surveyors and also the youngsters are not keen to join our profession. Then it's something that we have to really, and we have to take away our, let's say, a selfish point of view that, for example, I need maybe 15 or 20 years to retire, then I don't give a shit about this. No, 
I really give a shit about this. And I try to, if someone was coming behind me and is pushing, and then maybe in 100 years we got it, but then we have to start. If we, if we never start, we never can get it. And then that's why in our small association, we have this view, this vision, and we think that in a short or medium term, we can have really successful uh, arrangement on this situation. Uh, but I remain saying that the cadastral industry in Spain is really, really interesting and is really open. The only thing is just to try to, to regulate it in a, in a good way. And then we, we will have good jobs and a lot of uh, income, not only for the surveyors, for the public, taxes and also security for investors which is the more important thing yeah no doubt that's absolutely huge and it's it's so amazing to me that you are again everybody we talk to from all over the world has a lot of the same struggles that we do you know you you mentioned about you know giving a shit and unfortunately people the people that give a shit are in the minority of the profession mm -hmm. versus the majority. And that's one of the concerning things. And we need to, you know, get more on board. You mentioned, you know, getting younger people involved in the profession. And um, it sounds like in Spain anyways, mentoring is so important um, to teach these younger surveyors how to do things correctly. Otherwise, you know, if they don't have good mentors and they're working for these guys who aren't doing it at a professional level, that's just fueling the fire and, and not, not in a good way. Um, as far as mentors go, you know, you've been surveying for about 24 years is my understanding. And your dad being a surveyor, I have to believe he was probably your main mentor. Is there anybody else you'd like to mention? Well, actually, uh, I like to tell this little story about my father because my father, uh, he learned the profession by another one. He didn't have the chance to to go to get a professional, sorry, academic training. And then he has lack of uh, training. And then when he could manage to transmit his love for the profession, and I finally I decided to, to go in the university to the college uh, to, to learn uh, surveying, uh, I, was, I wanted to be informatic, firstly, I must mm. say. But then I changed, I changed my mind. Uh, he always said, please, please pay attention in the classroom and get to know how to determine the boundaries. You know? Mm. And then I said, okay, okay. I mean, I was 18 years old. I don't care what my father is telling me. But within the time, I realized what, what he meant. You know, all the problems related to the boundary issues, he couldn't mentor me on this way. He mentored me on the commercial way, he mentioned me on the technical and professional way and such kind of stuff, but not for this. And then that's why I start to focus on this. And then I can say that his engagement provoked that I am also engaged on this. And, and I have to say that as a, as a, how do you say this? As a premier news, I trying to engage my nephew to go in the profession, they would be the third, the third uh, generation of surveyors. I'm trying. He's 16 years old yet, but I'm trying to get him into the surveying that he can he can continue the family surveying line. And uh, yes, uh, of course, I'm, I'm already mentoring him and I'm teaching him everything in the other way 
of my father did to me. And I think uh, this can be an opportunity. And uh, another, another mentors, uh, I would say that uh, not in, uh, unfortunately not in the, in the surveying profession. Uh, I have learned a lot from lawyers and from this kind of uh, real estate agents and the, the real estate market more than from surveyors. Then this is something that makes me think that, uh, as you said before, there's a, a minority who really engage mm-hmm. and the majority who really don't give a shit. Yep. Unfortunately, that's true. Yes. Well, I think his nephew just needs to listen to the geoholics and then he'll be a surveyor in no time. <laughs> that's my personal opinion, of course. But uh, <laughs> yes. I, don't, I don't know how much you listen to our show, Pedro, but uh, we have this one that we ask all our guests and I hope you're prepared. But uh, do you have a mantra that you live by? Yes. Well, um, I have in my Twitter feed, I have the pin tweet, you know, if you can check it. It's saying something that resumes my, my vision of life, which is the experience is the name we give to our mistakes. Hmm. Then hmm. you have to mistake if you want to get an experience and if you want to improve. Yep. If you don't even, uh, if you are too conservative, mm-hmm. not making mistakes, you will not advance in your professional and personal life. And then this will be my mantra. Yeah. And this, I guess, was, this was a quote by Oscar Wilde, I think, hmm. a famous writer. Then I think it's uh, something that fits with me perfectly. Yeah. yeah, it's very true. And, you know, putting yourself outside your comfort zone. Well, and then, okay, so to follow up, I, I know we have this question. I know we keep it as a, a backup of all the fun. And I have my answer for the second part of it. Uh, but what would your autobiography be called? That's the number one. And then number two, who would play you in the movie? I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Gene Hackman. <laughs> like Hoosiers, Gene Hackman. Yeah. Get a little Spanish accent. We're good to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, uh, these this questions, uh, you know, I, I, if I'm honest, um, I, don't, I don't have a clear answer for this. But I have to tell you that, for instance, a good friend of mine, which is uh, now is politician, I have to say, but he, before he was a um, book writer, okay, he wrote a book and he put me in, he wrote, he wrote two books and he put me in both books as a land surveyor. Wow. And in the second one, the late one, is, is about such a kind of, uh, such a kind of um, crimes and so on <laughs> uh, related to the area we live. And I have a key, a key role because I was part, I'm, I'm a little bit telling the story now, but anyway, <laughs> uh, I am the key for the criminals, for the criminals to steal land, you know, <laughs> because I was producing ad hoc uh, reports in order to register still at land and so on. Then this could be, of course, would not be my autobiography, but this is something funny that I wanted to tell you about. But uh, related to the movie, you know, mm, <laughs> uh, well, uh, I think uh, because there are some surveyors, actors, I don't know if you know that, hmm. and uh, I mean, Spanish ones also, <laughs> And also, we have a, a, how do you say this? No, I, I don't get the name, but anyway, doesn't matter. But I would say 
uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger would be the role <laughs> in my movie, definitely. Uh, he will be back. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, yeah, what's the name of that book, by the way? Uh, Costa California. It's a, it's, a, it's a mix because the area I live is Costa del Sol, the Sun Coast. Yeah. Okay, Costa del Sol, and then it's Costa California, like California. Oh, okay, it's a, it's a because it's such a kind of um, criminal and mafia and such a kind of um, you know, okay. and then it's, it's it's trying to mix the situation here with the Californian movie, typical, you know. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to check it out for sure. So Pedro, we could talk to you for hours. Uh, unfortunately, our, uh, our, our time go. is up this morning. I have to go back to bed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We uh, first of all, I don't want you to forget that you invited us to stay at your house. <laughs> yes. He's going to send you wine. <laughs> We're going <laughs> to Spain. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, is there anything else maybe we haven't touched on that you want to make sure you get out there? And you trust me, we would love to have you back again. But is there anything right now that comes to mind that you want to you want to make sure that you tell the folks? No, really, I guess we talk, we touch a lot of topics and yes, as you said, we could be here talking for out by hours. I mean, I am, I have no, my, my wife always tells me that uh, I could be talking for hours and I don't even need to breathe, breathe <laughs> like the, the sun we saw before. Yeah. But the only thing I want to say is that uh, I am very happy that you could have having me today here to share because it's very important that we share knowledge, information, and, and why not also experience. And also, I'm very excited that my basketball idol, which is Ricky Rubio playing Phoenix Suns, is yeah. going, going, going ahead. And I'm pretty excited that we can reach the playoff final, yeah. and the play-in and then the playoffs. And then that's why I, I have in mind Arizona, you know, your homeland now. Yep. And uh, I look forward to keep in touch in LinkedIn or in other places. And I will, of course, recommend your podcast and your YouTube channel to all my friends. Unfortunately, I don't have many friends who can understand or speak English, but uh, they can try. And uh, I, I really give you a lot of credit for what you're doing in this program, in this podcast. Well, it is greatly appreciated. We got to hit the SAP button. Yeah. For, for Pedro's buddies. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, we, again, we thank you for being here and thank you for those kind words and we'll definitely keep in touch. We're, we're going to have a, a round table discussion here in a couple months about uh, coordinate cadaster. So I think you'd be great to be on that panel if you're interested. Of course. Sure. This is my favorite topic. Awesome. That's all. perfect. All right. Anything else guys? I think we wrapped this one up. All right. Fantastic. Another great episode was amazing content. So thank you again, Pedro. All right. Uh, check us out at thegeaholics.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn by searching for The Geaholics. Download all our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, and the app from Land Surveyors United. Email us at info at thegeaholics.com if you're interested in being a friend of the program or a guest on a future show. Prodigy Breed, available everywhere, especially at Ravers. Please support our friends of the program every chance you get. Pay it forward, add value, make friends. Until next time, be safe and healthy, everyone. Thank you to our friends of the program. Land Surveyors United, landsurveyorsunited.com, Parkland College Land Survey Program, parkland.edu forward slash surveying, Unifly, U-N-I-F-L-I dot arrow, Bad Elf, bad-elf.com, Advanced Geodetic Survey, 
agsgps.com. Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us, Diamondback Land Surveying, dbackls.com. Get Kids Into Survey, getkidsintosurvey.com.